What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Everything But Hockey. I'm your host, Andrea Helfrich. I hope you're having an amazing week. I know I am because the league just came to an agreement that there will be a 2021 season starting January 13th. The Fly Guys will be back in training camp January 3rd. So to the opposite effect of the show name title, we're going to be talking everything hockey very soon. And for that, I cannot wait. So it's very fitting that today's guest is from the league. Steve Mayer is the chief content officer for the NHL. So what does that mean? Well, to give you an idea, his most recent project was creating the NHL bubble that made it possible for all of us to watch playoffs and the Stanley Cup finals. That is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to his career. Prior to the league, he spent over 20 years as an executive producer at IMG, where he produced huge events, including the 2015 Miss Universe pageant, where Steve Harvey iconically mispronounced the wrong winner. And you know this former Miss Philadelphia is going to ask him to spill the tea on that. Anytime there's a celebrity doing anything with the league, he's got a hand in it, whether it's Panic at the Disco, Lil Nas performing at the Stanley Cup Finals when Old Town Road was number one for eight weeks. So we're going to go into all that. Also, he's going to give us advice on content creation. We all know content is king, but we got to stay ahead of the curve. So he's going to tell us what he thinks is next for 2021. And, you know, Steve, Steve is awesome. I've worked with Steve personally on the 2018 Gaming World Championships, which if you guys know what Chell is, you know what I'm talking about. We traveled to Toronto, Vegas, Sweden, and just had a blast. So I'm really excited to have him on the show and we're going to just jump right in. What are we going to talk about? Well, all right. Well, okay. We'll get into it. But first, I do love that you're wearing that uh, NHL 2018 Gaming World Championship hoodie. I went deep, deep in the drawer for this one. You did not pull that out just for me. Sure. I saw what I was doing today. I love it. My, this is not a, this is not a coincidence. Let me tell you. Well, it's funny because my, my most vivid memory of you is in Sweden after we got done a 12 hour filming day, we were all terribly jet lagged and you, we walk out of the studio and you're like, let's go exploring. Yeah. But listen, I, that, you know, that goes with the theory. You go that far around the world, you know, don't go back to like, there's things to be seen. And that was the, the, listen, those were fun. Every, every trip, like every, every trip's an adventure, but like just, you know, you didn't come across the world just to do nothing. Yeah. Everybody went, we, didn't we go to like all went to a rest after a long day too. We ended up at a beautiful restaurant in the back room there. Like we had a big table. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was always fun. And your mood was always fun. So I commend you because for the amount of stuff you deal with, like you give me life. Got to have a little fun. And, but you know, we're right. You know, we're doing some good stuff. It's, you know, stuff that we'll always remember, yeah. whether it's the world Gaming championships or whether it's, uh, you know, a bubble. I can imagine that's something you will never forget. The world will never forget. I know you will never forget that, you and your team. Before we get there, I kind of want to start at the beginning with you to set up for our audience and explain what you do. Because when I was doing your pre-recorded intro bio, you know, pumping you up, you have done and do so much. It is so inspirational. But in your words, can you describe your role and what you do for the league? So are we starting now? We've been starting. This is official. Okay, all right, so let's, let's start. So, um, so what do I do? So when I came to the NHL, uh, my background was in television production and event production. Uh, I had done some television productions and event productions for the NHL. Uh, there was a period of time where there were a few things about to happen at the league and there was a few departures of personnel at the league, you know, and I was looking for a little bit of a change. I had worked for 20 years, which these days are a little unheard of, but 20 years at the same place. And, you know, the timing was right. And so I came to the NHL and, uh, and at the NHL, I started as executive producer. And I'm not really sure what that meant at the time, but I did know that I came in to, to, to like lead certain big projects that were about to happen. 
So the NHL was about to launch the World Cup of Hockey and I was gonna be the project manager. And the NHL was also getting towards their centennial year. It was one year from the day I got there. And, you know, I remember walking in and one of the first things I did at the NHL officially was receive this box of just notebooks and papers and all this work that had been done um, on the centennial. And they said, all right, here you go. Make some sense of this. What should we do? And I was like, what? And, you know, in looking through that, um, you know, I was able to put together a plan and start that rolling. And Welcome of Hockey was coming up in September and I came in in January. So we started rolling with that. And then in March of that particular year, the person who was running the events department at the NHL left. And I had only been with the league officially um, because I had worked beforehand for like three months. And Gary Bettman walks me into his office and he said, hey, how would you like to run the events department? And I said, sure, you know, I'd love to. And I, again, I'd worked with this events department. We, we all knew each other. It felt natural. I mean, I, the next question would be, whoa, how much more money am I getting? All the uh, things you would think about. But no, it was just, how would you like to run the events department? And in some ways that's been my experience ever since. It's like, how would you like to do this? How would you like to do that? And I'm one of those, bring it on, you know, let's bring it on. And, you know, and, and some of it's my issue. Like some of it is what I've discovered at the league and how the league can build and grow. And so, and, and, and I have the best boss. I mean, the commissioner has given me sort of the green light to do what I do. And, and because of that, yeah, well, we, we've grown our production department from when I got there, five people, about 35. Events team grows and, you know, a lot of the aspects of what we've done, you know, have grown, but it's grown because, you know, we've done some good things. We have the right plan and, um, and we have the right leadership to be able to say, yeah, let's, let's do, let's grow. We know we want to grow the game, get in front of more and more people. The responsibility has definitely grown since the day I walked in the door, but I love it. It's awesome. Wow. So your team has grown a lot. So of your responsibilities, what is your team all responsible for? What is it exactly that you guys do? So you asked, what do we do? We have fan experiential department. We have an entertainment division that deals with like celebrities and music. We have a content development group. We have the studios group that edits and produces and we have, and among them, you know, there's an audio department and the graphics department. We have a hotels and hospitality group. We have a ticketing group. We have event operations. Like we have a lot of different groups within this umbrella. And, you know, we put on, you know, events like the Winter Classic and outdoor games, but the draft falls under us, the award show falls under us, uh, the World Gaming Championships fall under us, all, like all big, small, doesn't really matter. We, you know, we, we, we do a lot of different events, you know, in a non-COVID year. And in a COVID year, we, we figure out how to get us through safely. And, um, and we're up for any task, like bring it on, we'll figure it out. I love the mentality. But what I'm hearing too, was this position kind of created for you? Did this exist, this hybrid of the two roles? No, it was created. What did you ever do with all that paper? Did you just trash that and like move on? Yeah, it's somewhere, it's, it, it's somewhere. I mean, one of the first things we thought about, like for instance in that, you know, was how to pull all the departments together. At the league office, it's pretty amazing, you know, that we have a little of everything you would you would need to put on a major production, a major project. You know, you've got your marketing department, your social media department, brand partnership people, analytic expertise. You've got research, PR. You have so many different 
pieces that actually allow us to put on an event from start to finish, head to toe. Like we really don't have to go outside very often to bring in too many people. Like we've, we've put ourselves in a position that we could execute. Everything in house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something that I didn't realize, I think when I walked in the door and, and the goal has always been how do we get all the departments sort of working together for that common goal in a, in a better way. And, and, you know, Centennial was a great project for that because in order for it to work, everybody had to have a role. And, um, and it was also a great way for me to be introduced to everybody at the league, um, to get to know people and what they could do and what they couldn't do. Like we, we also realized like, where we need to go to get something done and where we need to, you know, avoid, you know, if, you know, this is really not their area. Mm -hmm. And these are, you know, these were the early processes that now I think we've got it down pat a little bit, but um, the Centennial project was a really good project to start with. So you kind of, you figured out the workflow, maybe a little reorganization happened. What do you, what would you say the biggest learning curve for you was during that first year on the job? Well, one of the things, you know, that, you know, uh, doing what you do, um, you got to know your audience. You got to understand who you're talking to. And, and that applies not only in the real audience, the viewers, the fans, but it also applies to, you know, dealing with teams. Like, I don't think I actually realized when you work for the league, you work for 31 teams, you know, and how much I was going to deal with each of these teams. In the league, I wasn't a hockey guy. And one of the first things I did, and I think it ended up being smart, was I did a little mini tour of the teams, of the personnel, you know, just to go and say, hi, I'm Steve, what's your name? What do you do? And, and I think that's one of the things I never recognized. And one of the things I actually appreciate about the job is how different each of the teams are. And, and, you know, to get to know the people within the teams and what they do is part of what you do on a daily basis. And, you know, you, you're trying to manage, you know, it's very competitive, as you know. The Flyers are the best team in the NHL by far. You know, just ask anybody who works for the Flyers. <laughs> but, I, I think, but I think that's part of what is so cool. You deal with a lot of passionate people. Yeah, and everybody's trying to outdo each other. And that promotes great ideas, creativity, and it's all good. And, and that's one of the things I didn't recognize or know when I came to the league. Um, but I also didn't also understand how much you need to protect the brand. Like, you know, I, I, it was up to me on a couple of occasions. We would have probably done something that could have got me and us in trouble. You know, I, I think really way out of the box, you know, and, and I've had to hone it down. I've had to understand, know my audience and also understand what's going to get us in trouble and what might be taking it a little too far. And, I, and occasionally, I have to admit, we've made mistakes along the way because we've gone a little too far the wrong way. And you know what? You live up to it. And, you know, in my business and... I know it's in yours. Like, we're going to do things. Not everybody's going to love, them, you know? You can't please everyone. And in this world, isn't it true? We get immediate feedback. Like, we have a focus group of millions of people the second yeah. it goes out. And a lot of comedians who think they're really funny. And, you know, and that's great because I've also learned from those people. Like, I, I, I clearly understand what they want to see, what they don't want to see. I'm not catering to anybody, but at the same time, I, I appreciate, you know, the, the funny guy in Minnesota making the comment about how he hates what we just did. That's fun, like bring it on. But I also appreciate, and I really take to heart, like some of the nice comments and also some of the constructive ones where, you know what, man, we should have done it that way or, why didn't we think of it that way? And, and believe me, you live and you learn. And, you know, my, my mantra is like, let's make the next one better than the last one. You know, let's make it bigger, grander, better. 
Yeah. And, and that's all we strive to do. And you can't make it better if there isn't room to improve. And there's always room to improve. And you talked about knowing your audience and now everything you just said, like it's very clear, you're listening to them. You're, you're reading everything. You, you better listen. There's, there's a point where you have to, you're, you're gonna get in trouble if you listen a little too much. No, but you have to listen. And you have to also respond when it even isn't your event. Like, you know, we, you have to understand, like I'm a little older and, but we need to bring in younger folks. You know, we need to bring younger people to our game. I need to be up with the trends as much as I can. I need to listen to, you know, not my music. I need to listen to what, you know, my daughter is listening to. I, I need to understand like who's hot in the celebrity world and who's not. And I, and I also need to listen to the younger people that we work with to clearly understand like, hey, old man, that's not the way we should go. And, and by the way, that's not a bad thing. It's an evolution, you know, but you gotta, you gotta be able to be open-minded and you gotta be able to do certain things that, you know, are gonna gain attention and gonna sort of make people more aware of the NHL, of hockey. And, you know, our, our daily fight is for that casual fan, you know, who has a choice, especially during the winter, NBA, NHL, college basketball, NHL. Such a crowded space. And, and like, how do you get them over? And sometimes you gotta be creative to figure it out but you gotta, you gotta do it in a very smart way. And sometimes the fans know as much or more than we do. True, I, I, yeah, they definitely know that too, right? Oh, believe me, believe me, but it's all good. So now, do you have like a group of people on TikTok that just kind of focus on that? Like, There's a social media team that, um, and it's not, it's actually under Heidi Browning, who's mm -hmm. our chief marketing officer. She's awesome. And she's put together a team talk about growth. You know, we came in a little uh, around the same time. I, I told you, we took our studios group from five to 35. Like she's taking the numbers when she walked in the door. I mean, you know, we didn't have a lot of social following and that number has grown like mad. And, you know, we, we recognize, you know, content is king. You got to get in front of people. We want a short form, long form give people, you know, an inside view of our players, um, our teams, you know, some of the cool things we're doing in communities. And, you know, we've put together a group of people that have done it on every platform from TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, you know, and we're also looking at, you know, we have our digital platforms, but we, we need to get to where people are watching so we're, we, need to, we need to go to them rather than have them come to us. Mm -hmm. It's a tricky proposition, but it's definitely something we're really focused on and something for our future is trying to look at, you know, some of the bigger platforms and being able to put a lot of hockey content and working with them on their platforms because that's where, um, you know, especially the younger fans are going. Right. And, you know, they're, you know, they're not exactly, you know, the avids come to NHL.com mm -hmm. and we love it, but, you know, uh, they're not exactly, you know, the casual fan coming to, to our platform. So, you know, those are the creative ways that we're thinking. And hopefully as we kind of grow, you know, the social world, our content world, you know, we're really strategizing on, expanding that world to more than just NHL platforms. I have to be honest, I learned a lot on the league's TikTok call a few months back. Super informative. So I can tell you guys are definitely exploring all those different platforms. I mean, from a personal level, like I'm still struggling on creating hockey content on TikTok that will relate. Like I literally yesterday was just filming a uh, one of those where you like rip off your shirt and there's another shirt under it or the hat to show new merchandise. It's a, it's a trend. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but you're, you're, you pull off the one shirt and you do this effect and transition where the other shirt is under it. Listen, there's 12 year olds that do it better than I'll ever be able to, but um, it's cool. So yeah, I'm, 
but you get it. Yeah. You know, you've always got it. And you know that you could build your brand in an incredible way through those platforms. And, okay. But you've got to be creative. You got to like catch somebody's eye and do something that's going to keep them there. Consistent, relevant. Yeah. Right. And then when Angie comes out with the next mm -hmm. TikTok, everybody's waiting for what she's going to do next and what she's going to do next, you, you, you know, but it's, it's about brand building and awareness. And, and there's, you know, in this day and age, you got to figure out, you know, how are you catching people? There's a lot of clutter, you know, and how do you mm -hmm. cut through the clutter to kind of gain that attention? You know, and, and I give so much credit to the Instagram stars, the TikTok star, like, they have been able to figure out uniquely how to do it. And, and they do it so well. And I mean, the numbers are staggering, staggering on how many people go and watch what they do. And, and you know, that's another thing, like engaging with those influencers to do hockey content. Mm -hmm. Like, man, that would go like a crazy long way. And you know, we've, we've been criticized occasionally for, you know, something we've done with a celebrity, something we've done with a musical artist that doesn't fit the hockey way. Like it's a, it's a little to the left or a little to the right. And my response is, have you seen how many followers they have? And if they're posting that they're gonna be on a hockey event, that they're going to be working with a certain team, that they're, they love the flyers. Right. Man, does that go a long way in influencing their world to maybe watch a flyers game, to watch that event. You know, I truly believe we've had an uptick on certain events solely because of the artists that we picked to perform. On that, because you've had some amazing performances during Stanley Cup Finals. I remember specifically the year I was with you during the Gaming World Championship. It was Panic at the Disco. Then you got Lil Nas when he was at like the height of Old Town Road. That was, yeah, but that was big. Like he was, he, it was as hot as he could be at that point. Yeah. And then he took to his Twitter, Instagram, wherever, and was like blowing it up too. Was that... I mean, maybe you can't answer this. That was natural. Okay, that's what I was so, going to ask you. So, so the lead up, you know, and listen, when we do a booking, part of the ask is that they will promote the event. What happens sometimes afterwards, listen, we will beg them to, to, you know, show us to the rest of the world. Here's a clip of the performance. Mm -hmm. The case of Little Nas and many other times is we invite them to the event. Like, hey, you know, when you're done performing, come watch some hockey. Yeah. He had never gone to a hockey game before and he loved it. I mean, he was so into it. And then naturally he went crazy, you know, and those are, yeah, that's, you know, listen, that's gold, gold, you know, you, you, you know, and, and, and that's happened a lot. Like that's happened more times than not. And, and again, you know this, to see a hockey game like and be there is like nothing like it, you know? And, and for people who haven't been in that position or haven't seen a game and then they go into that arena and they get the vibe. And again, we're talking when fans were there, but it's, it's exceptional. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those, but those are the moments that you just, you, you hope for, but like we originally got a lot of criticism. Little Nas X, what are you guys doing? Now, was the criticism and, internal or was no, it? No, it's from, from certain people in our audience mm -hmm. who believe if you're going to have a hockey, you got to have heavy metal and classic rock music. Like certain music is not associated with, with hockey. My belief is you bet your, your you know what, we're going to go, we're going popular. Like the bigger, the better, the grander is, is applies to the music and Little Nas at that point, like there was nobody bigger in the country. That song was huge. We got so much press again, going back to what I said earlier, there was so much press outside of our world. Oh, right. Like all of the music, entertainment coverage 
everybody. So there you go. So there's where, there's where you've hit the home run. That's where you, you, you win, 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 win. And so those are the things we're trying to do, you know, and, and, and so aligning with the celebrity, aligning with the music artist, aligning with a pop culture trend mm -hmm. is, is always something we're, we're looking out for and trying to figure out creative ways to, you know, have our hockey in, like you said, how do you do TikTok hockey? Well, like if we can figure out how to do it, good for us, you know, because it's only going to be beneficial in the end to grow the sport. And breaking that mold that you said, you know, you'll hear that negative feedback on, like that's not associated. I think that's the whole goal, right? To break the mold of what is supposed to be. In hockey and really in all sports, because I came from my background at IMG. I mean, I think sport by sport, there's, there's a general, this is how we've done it. Listen, you hear that in, in, in life, you know, this is how we've done there's it. There's comfortability associated with this is how we. And that's okay, right? right? I mean, you know, sometimes you like to get into a groove and, and if, if it works, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? That expression. You know, a lot of times you'll ask the question, well, why is this the way you've always done it? Right. And nobody could give you the great answer. And so we're not, listen, we're not here to, to, to blow it up. The game is awesome. You know, and I always say to our hockey ops folks, once we drop the puck, I'm out. Meaning, you know, I'm just dealing with the peripheral, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to promote once you drop the puck, because I think once you drop the puck, it's amazing. And so, you know, why not experiment? And by the way, again, going back, we've experimented and some things have not worked, you know, and we're cool with that. And then there's other things that, you know, we think, wow, this would be awesome if we can capitalize on it because it did work. And, and so, you know, always looking at, you know, sort of creative ways. We're in a little bit of a, a, a tough period of time right now. Yeah. And I think we all appreciate that. We'll get through it. We'll, we'll get back to normal one of these days. But, in, you know, but even now, we're, we're still trying to figure out some fun things to do in the upcoming year. Yeah. And, and thriving, in my opinion, everything I've seen that you guys are putting out, whether it's the shows you're producing or the actual bubble. So let's, for a second, because at Little Nas, I would think that's the peak of, if I were you, my career. But what has been your biggest accomplishment? I haven't done it yet. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. Oh, Andrea, I just, I'm not, no, I, I don't know. Like, you know what? I've been very fortunate. I've had awesome career time doing what I do, what I love to do. I mean, I love my job. I've done and gone around the world. I mean, I think when you really sit back and appreciate it. And by the way, this period of time makes you appreciate a lot. You know, you, you take for granted when you're just never stopping, you're on one plane, another plane, another hotel, another country, another city. And then suddenly it stops and you go, wow, what I did was really great. I hope I get to do that again. Because I think when you're doing it, you don't necessarily appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've, you know, I've, I've had the benefit of, you know, being at Olympic Games and, you know, and, and really being heavily involved in the, the games and the production, which is like, like something when, until I didn't do it, I didn't appreciate it. Same thing as much as when I wasn't doing that anymore. I, you know, I've done network broadcasts. I've done. Oh, Miss Universe. Self, selfishly, yeah, can, we, oh yeah. can we go to Miss Universe? I, I'm a pageant girl. Here we go. Please. Yeah. You want to hear about Steve Harvey? Please. And thank you. We all watched this moment. Everyone knows what we're talking about. 2015, Steve Harvey announces, I forget, was it Miss Columbia as the winner? Who? I'm going to do the Steve Harvey right now. So he announced the runner-up as the winner. And then he, he went back to backstage and said, whoops, came back out. Yes. And then he walked over to the sideline at first all right so at first no so i was in the television truck producing the program there's a group of people that are on the side of the stage working with steve and uh, you know i'll go brief on this but it is a really 
unbelievable system how a pageant works for television mm -hmm. and how detailed and how many people are double, triple, quadruple checking every result and how there's a system in place to make sure you got it right. So what failed? Well, when it happened, there was a moment where he read the wrong name and everybody questioned each other. Like, is, it, is he right? Are we wrong? So there was that brief moment where, oh my God, no, no, he's wrong. And then there was a moment where when he came to the sideline and we told the folks that are stage managing and working with him, send him back out there. I'm cringing. He then took a moment to process what and how he was going to handle it. In the end of the day, you know, listen, I joke about it. You know, Steve Harvey became like a household name. He was before him, but oh my goodness. And he handled it, you know, like many should when they make a mistake. He quickly admitted, I made a mistake. And he went out. It was a horrible, horrible moment in time. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't think, by the way, it's the first time I realized the power, the, the unbelievable power, and I know it was 2015, of social media. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, our rating on that show, it's really funny, you can look it up, was good, but okay. You know, everybody in the world watched, like there are billions of people have now seen the clip, have talked about it, know when you say Steve Harvey moment, they know exactly what you're referring to. It was quite interesting. It was, uh, it was he made an honest mistake and, um, you know, and it was right before I came to the league. So uh, I walked in my first day after that experience and I was supposed to start earlier and my company I worked for said, he's got to finish this one show. I walked in and Gary Bettman said, are we sure we should, we're hiring the right guy? You know, oh, you know, and we've laughed about it ever since. And I've laughed about it ever since. It now feels very long ago, but it was a moment. But, you know, again, going back, I've had moments like that, that everybody knows. And, you know, and I've had other moments which no one might know. But to me, you know, it was a great production, a great experience, you know, and it meant a lot, you know, to me. Um, and, and it, it, it just, I have to admit, it just, it varies, it, it varies. Like, um, you know, I, but I've been very fortunate and, um, you know, and I've also been in a bubble. I know, bring, mm -hmm. me, bring me into the bubble. I feel like you've, you've talked about this so much, but we can't do this and not touch on it. How many days did you actually spend there? I read 70, is that how long you were there? 80. So you were there for 80 and then how many, how many weeks, days did you get to plan before you actually like landed on site? So, you know, listen, we started talking about a bubble probably in, in sometime in April mm -hmm. where we just started like, you know what, I think we're gonna have to go to a bubble. Um, you know, we never wavered. I mean, one of the things I, I, I you know, liked about the decision-making process was we said, we're going to a bubble, we're going to a bubble and you know, our timing was around the same as the NBA. Well, we both, they, they announced their bubble first, but we both thought that that was the safest way to do it. And what, what happened with us was we just never firmly decided for every reason in the world where we were going to do it. And because of that, you couldn't really plan. Like we had an idea of how we wanted to fence in in some environment, but we didn't know where and what that was going to be until we ultimately decided that we're going to Edmonton and Toronto. And, you know, it's been widely written and, and very true. We had decided that we were going to go to two other places. You know, we were, we were the rumors set. were so like, I was, I was trying to keep up with everything that, you know, all the beat writers and everyone was putting out. Yeah. And they were right. Like we were going to Vancouver and Vegas and, and for many reasons, we decided to not go to both of those spots. And, you know, on, on a Sunday night, we decided we're going to go 
to Edmonton and Toronto. Right? And Monday we made the calls to both cities to say, we're gonna go to your cities. And that's when we started working on it. We left July 14th. So two weeks later, we actually left for site. And then a little less than two weeks later, the teams came. Oh my gosh. You know, it was fast. It was fast. But because it was fast and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer you expand and you constrict to like the amount of time you're given. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just knew we didn't have a lot of time. So, you, you know, you don't stop. You know, I had a minute to make a decision. Dean Matsuzaki, my right hand, amazing sidekick. He's, he runs our events operation. Make decision, done. You know, our entire team, we told them, just go with your gut. Like, no, the number one thing to think about is no risk and safety. Like, what is the decision that would limit risk or have no risk and just be the safest thing you could decide and just go, 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 do not stop. And, you know, we did it. And we, you know, we had the benefit of time because we were able to tweak as we went along. And, you know, we were, we were not nice to people on site because if you weren't wearing a mask, you, uh, you felt the wrath of Steve or the security team and some players probably don't like me anymore. Cause we were just like, you know, we were police. You were like, yeah, and police or dad on site. We were, we were dads. Like, you know, I had a lot of like, put your mask on. What about putting your mask on? Do you not understand blah, blah, blah. And you know, and after a while, you know I give the players a lot of credit cause they, you know at first they did not believe, and then they became believers when they started to hear another day, no positives, another day, mm -hmm. another day. And they realized, you know what, maybe it's because we're following protocol. Maybe because we're, you know, we're, we're being tested every day. Maybe, maybe we're, you know, better off doing it this way. Our staff felt that way and we got through it. You know, and, and listen, we had some luck along the way we had some fortune um, and I'm, I, you know, I believe I, I really do a little mini miracle that we got through it, given what's going on in the world today and, and what was going on at the time, you know, but we felt isolated, insulated and protected and, and we played by the rules and, you know, there's a lot of opposition feeling out there. You know, you're not going to get me to, to even remotely, go that way. Like, I truly believe the only reason why we got through what we got through as safe as we did is because we had protocols and we followed them. And I, I truly believe that, you know, this is why it worked. And, and, you know, we got through it. Now we got to do it again. I know. So, all right, before we get to doing it again, I did ask my viewers on Instagram a few questions for you. I narrowed them down, I curated them. Feel free to say pass, um, but we'll do like rapid fire. What were the reasons behind picking the locations for the NHL bubble? Safest by far, especially at the time, remember at the time, and that was the goal. The goal was to, to, to raise that Stanley Cup and be as safe as possible those two cities were the safest. What are some of the things that worked really well in the bubble that you might carry through to the 2021 season in the future? Just stuff you did that you were like, this worked. You know, one of the things we were most proud of is the way we presented the game. I loved it. Steve, it looked so good on TV. Thank you, thank you. And, and I think there are elements of making our broadcasts just generally more than just hockey broadcasts. Mm -hmm. They're television shows. You know, there are elements, and this is probably music to your ears, where, you know, storytelling and, you know, a little show mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. And, you know, we have a lot of broadcasters that are very focused on the game and rightly so. What we added in the bubble were, television elements 
you know, it was a made for television event and the stage was our ice, but yet there were, there were things that we did that played off of this LED screens and the environment that we created. And, and I do think there are ways to do that, even with fans that could lend itself to just a, a more spectacular television production. And so, you know, there are things that we're gonna introduce. Again, most of our arenas will have fans limited or no fans at all in this next iteration. And then I also think that eventually um, when fans come back, we have some creative ideas that can incorporate elements of game presentation into, into everything we do. You know, and, and I also think that the pandemic, not necessarily what we did in the bubble, but it extended to the bubble, our players loosened up a little bit, you know? Our players became a little more comfortable with showing off, you know, their homes, their families, who they are. And I, and I think, you know, we extended it to the bubble, show us your life, it's, it's fine. You know, bring us into, you know, a room that we're not allowed to go. And, and I do think that that will continue. And that's something that, you know, I think we took from the bubble as being, or from this period of time, mm -hmm being you know, you know, a nice step, a nice step forward for the league. And I think it made the players feel a bit more comfortable too. Like, hey, I'm doing this, I feel good and I'm received well. So maybe that shield that was up before with our guys, you know, lowered a little bit from your lips to his ears. I hope that that continues because I got the best interviews when I was Zooming with Claude Drew and his wife and baby. That was cool. You don't see that when you're doing media day. So I'm with you. Looking towards 2021 season and, and content, we talked about how crowded the space is. What are some things that you think are like best practices for making great content in 2021? What's beyond the curve? What do you think is next? Another thing that's come out of this period of time, you know, how do you connect to your fans even greater? You know, and how do you give fans the arena experience? Um, you know, we're starting to see a lot of ideas from companies and, and others, you know, who, who are taking advantage of the fact, and listen, this was our philosophy from day one, the fans aren't in the arena. Like, we're not, why are we gonna bring them in in a virtual way? Well, you know, let's just connect with them and give them a bigger show while they watch us on the couch or give them the arena experience somehow, you know, in their homes. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I think they're, you know, the, the connection is important. Um, I think there's going to be greater emphasis on content that creates a social connection between our fans. They could talk to each other, they can meet other people and they could do it through, through content, through the ability like to talk about a common goal and whether it brings them all to, you know, a, a social portal where they could experience a game together or they could feed off of some of the content that comes in front of them and they can respond to it where they can create the content just by piecing together what they want to see, you know, almost like editing their own shows. You know, listen, we're in a world right now where we're all programmers. You know, it used to be, uh, again, I, I hate bringing up my age because I'm not that old, but when I was growing up, you know, there was NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, and you watched what was on TV that night, you know? And you couldn't wait for your show to come on with the next episode. Once a week. We live in a world now where we're, we're all television programmers. If I want to watch tonight what I want to watch, I watch it on my terms during my time. And I think we have to feed into that in sports as well. Sports is the great, has a great protection. A live event is a live event. Mm -hmm. And you know, when, when the Flyers are on at 7.30 that night, your audience is going to watch. But there's other content that 
our audience can create that's flyers related where they think they're in control. Because I do think people now, especially folks that are younger, like to be in control. They like to dictate what they want to watch, when they want to watch it, how they want to watch it, whether they want to watch it on their phone right. or they want to watch it on a giant screen. Like where they're, where they're consuming content is, is unique to an individual. And we have to like be cool with that. And we got to give them the opportunity to, to make their own show, essentially. So you're tapping in heavily to user-generated content. Well, user-generated or generated content that we produce, but they create in some ways the sort of order of how they watch it. So or, kind of like Bandersnatch, remember, where they the ending is up? Oh, well, in some way, yeah. You know what? In some ways, like, again, we're all, we're all content creators or we all think we are um and but like if the audience has a little more control of what they watch and what's being produced i think they're going to be more apt to watch it like right. if i said i want to you know i want a piece on claude Giroux, and i you know and here's what i want and there was an ability and that now i'm seeing more and more where like you're given an interview with claude Giroux, or you're given his highlights and you create his highlights in the own way you want to present it, I think that's going to become super popular. Every night you create your NHL highlight video and you send it out to the world. Those, those things are starting to come out there. And I think the fact that people love to be in control right. will only add to growth of our game and growth of our content and, and, and some of the growth will come because everybody's going to be an editor. Everybody's going to be a producer. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like, there's something that's really clever about it. We're trying to get our arms around, you know, what and who can provide the best solution towards that. But the more we're starting to see things like that, the more I, I'm, I'm kind of pumped about how that could affect our world and get people a little more engaged. No, everything you're saying, like, my brain is not like, I'm ready to ideate, like what's our next project for the flyers. But it's funny you mentioned like user engagement, involvement, because even when I posted about I'm interviewing you and tell my audience to submit questions. Now, when I post this, they wanted to listen to see if their question was asked. 100%. Think about that. That's just so natural. Right. You know, people love to hear their name on TV. They, they, you know, and they're gonna tune in just for the prospect that somehow their question, their name gets in that broadcast. Will they be disappointed if it's not? Sure, but will they try again? Because that's what excites people, like the chance that they might see themselves. Or by the way, I made that suggestion and look, they're doing it. Yep. These are the kind of things that I think it's just the nature of the world we're living in right now, but we got to play to that. We can't ignore that. And we got to come up with more ideas that let our audience, you know, sort of guide the way and feel like they had a piece in it because they're going to, once you have a piece in something, you're much more invested. Totally. That's very interesting. No, it's so true. I think we innately like kind of feel that, but until you put that into words, I'm like, you're right. You hit the nail on the head there. So. But, but, but have I figured it out? Have we figured it out? No, we're still kind of dancing around the. Yeah, but we're, we're getting, we're, we're going in that direction. And I think eventually we will figure it out. And I, and I think there are some solutions and other companies and people smarter than me are coming up with like, you know, some of that, like from a technology standpoint, mm -hmm. that can only help move that forward a little quicker. Well, like augmented re reality and VR. Uh, the VR space, personally, I'm not a huge fan. The AR, I actually think is cool, like really cool. Like as a big event, you know, the way we think, like adding a piece of AR into this environment is, is absolutely super cool. I've seen some awesome stuff. And I think when we get back out into the world, I think we will start to introduce a little of that into game presentation, um, arena presentation, and also certainly into our big events because 
there are there is a spectacular piece to AR that like makes the audience go whoa wow and and I, I think that that's super cool VR like I don't know it's cumbersome until you know there are certain technology pieces that are figured out. Yeah, like you're wearing your glasses and you can tap the side and then experience maybe then I'd do it. Okay, well, we'll, we'll look out for that. If I find somebody who's got that, I'll pass them along. Okay, please do. And when you find the secret to how I should host the 2021 season, let me know. Start testing every day. You're not gonna be allowed in the arena until you start testing every day. Is that is that what I should be doing? Well, listen, I, you know, there's gonna be, there's gonna be a, a strong level of protocols that you know, that we're, we're right now trying to put into place and we're getting closer. But, you know, again, like we did the last time, safety, keeping the season going and being smart about it is going to be first priority. And, and that includes everybody that's involved with our game. You know, we, we know that there's, um, there are issues out there and we know that we really have to be smart about how we approach this new season in order to get through it in the safest manner. Well, I'll be awaiting the list. We all are. Gritty is not on any list. No, Gritty kidding. actually wanted me to tell you, he says, hi, I forgot. Love, love Gritty and a uh, high right back. Um, but Gritty, you know, Gritty is a great example of somebody who's cut through pop culture uh, and in, a, in the most creative of ways. I, I admire that. Um, you know, and even in a year where we didn't have games in the arena, Gritty still was out there and popular. And so uh, a high rate back to Gritty, looking forward when I could see Gritty in person again. Aren't we all? And if you guys haven't seen, Gritty actually created a petition that he put out on his Twitter and Instagram for you guys to sign, urging the league to make him an essential person, part of the 2021 season. So that is that. But Steve is remarkable. I hope you guys feel motivated to take on 2021, new year, new you. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see what 2021 holds, but I'm excited hockey's back and I know you guys are as well. So that being said, I'm not gonna talk to you till the new year. I hope you guys have a warm, fuzzy, and healthy Christmas and New Year's and join me back here in 2021. It's so weird to say that, but we will have a fresh episode of EBH. I'll be joined by Taryn Hatcher. You guys know her. She's the ringside reporter for NBC Sports Philadelphia. So if you have ever watched a Flyers game in Philadelphia, you've definitely seen her on the broadcast. I put out and asked me a question on my Instagram a few weeks ago and got a ton of questions from you guys. So we'll be addressing all of those and a whole lot more. Until then, give this episode a thumbs up. If you haven't already, smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And like I said, be safe guys and I'll see you in the new year.